welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two. I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. I hope everyone's doing well. Thank you for tuning in again. So this is the first episode after we concluded this long march of the principles. I hope that those episodes were helpful. Again, uh, always welcome your feedback and and comments. Maybe in the future we'll pick up again on principles, but I want to move on. This episode is a special episode because it is by request. So somebody, one of the one of my listeners reached out and asked that I give some thoughts about Islam and diplomacy. And it's a great topic, a really important topic. Unfortunately, it's, I think, too big for a podcast episode. But as I usually do, I would like this to be simply a sketch, an outline, something to get us going, to get us thinking about this concept. The first thing I want to say in the discussion of Islam and diplomacy is I want to reference episode 63, where I talked about an important distinction of high and low politics. And this is a really, really, really important distinction. I'm starting to realize that it's so important. It's going to require uh, more articulation, maybe a lengthy blog post, maybe even an online course, whatnot. But just to summarize, if you don't have time or you're driving or whatever, and you 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 don't want to jump back to episode 63, I offer this distinction between what I call high and low politics. High politics are the politics of the nation or the body politic at the highest level. It's the stuff that holds us together. It's about our borders. It's about security. It's about our founding documents. It's about our founding principles. It, it's, it goes above all of the low politics, which is partisan politics. And I don't mean low politics to be pejorative. I simply mean as opposed to high politics. Now, the Sharia, in general, when it comes to the uh, literature of Asiyasa Sharia, the literature that makes up our governance uh, thoughts, political science, etc., it's almost all in high politics. Very little is said about low politics, which is why one of the ways that we were taught when we were at the seminary in Al-Azhar is that Islam has a lot to do with high politics, but really has to stay away from low politics. So... The ulama are always going to be there, uh, you know, rooting for the nation, advocating, uh, you know, defending the nation, supporting the nation, you know, praying for the nation. But when it comes to politics of of parties and, and elections and things like that, there's really no place for religion in that. So I want that distinction to be clear. I'm sure, you know, people might disagree with me and, you know, that's fine, but at least you understand where I'm coming from. So the rest of my comments, you know, you can sort of reference them back to this idea or of this distinction. Now, the main episode that we have in our history, 
that informs what Islam says about diplomacy or if you are a young diplomat or if you're going to the foreign service or whatever you know your your involvement with this may be or you're simply just interested in the topic the main episode is going to be when the prophet peace be upon him first comes to medina and establishes what we call the constitution of medina sahifatul medina we spoke about that also in a previous episode the episodes of coexistence the prophetic models of coexistence so for the details again you can go you can go there and the main thrust of that episode vis-a-vis the topic that we're talking about now is that the Prophet ﷺ made a distinction between religion and religious identity and identity as defined by the nation. So the, the initial state of Medina, if we could use that term, and the initial constitution of Medina as we typically translate Sahifatul Medina or the Medinan document, is that it was a plural state made up of multiple religions, the two major religions being Islam and Judaism, but that they had become one nation, Ummah. They had become one people as opposed to other people, meaning there's a new identity that's above the religious identity that unites them. And that's sort of what we we have come to understand in the modern period as citizenship. Uh, in, in the ancient Arab world or Islamic history, it would be a concept of nesab or you know lineage. I I belong to I come from this city or I come from that city, which is why uh, you find a lot of people's names you know so and so al Misri, meaning that he he came from Egypt, or so and so al Musali, he was from Mosul or whatever the case may be. Anyway, so this concept of citizenship it unites us. It's 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 a set of values that is above. Above, again, not meaning better than, but I mean above our religious identity because religion might be something more narrow. It's, it, it recognizes a subset of those people. But the citizenship is a wide swath of people, and therefore we are all supposed to be equal before the law. And that's really where this concept of high politics, low politics comes from. You know, I, maybe I'm subconsciously trying to defend myself, but it's a really important topic. I mean, I can't stress that enough. And I think very important for us to be able to make sense of what we're about to to discuss. Uh, the next thing I will say um, about some initial thoughts of like this diplomacy and and uh, uh, relationships uh, between nations and between groups of people, etc., is that Islam is always looking at what the common values are to build towards peace. So even in the discussion of legitimate warfare in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and if they incline, if they incline towards peace, then also incline towards peace. Meaning that the way just war is understood in the primary sources is that it is a tool amongst other tools to achieve the same goal of peace. In other words, war is not to be conducted for itself. War is acknowledged as something negative, something that we might detest, something that we might not want to engage in. It acknowledges there's loss of life, loss of economy and uh, trauma to the nation, etc. We, we understand that. But unfortunately, when it comes to issues of power and the state, it's an, it unfortunately at times is a necessity, a necessity to protect your, your borders, your citizens. But in the Quranic discussion of that type of warfare, in this verse we see that it's, tool and it's a tool to reach this goal of peace. So diplomacy is that. It's, it's a tool to arrive at peace. And you're only going to arrive at peace 
if we build on common values. Common values. Common values that we share with other people. And when we talk about common values, again, to tie it back to this concept of high politics, there are always going to be things that are so high and lofty that no two people will ever disagree with them. A cardinal value that we all have is love of our homeland, love of our home, our country, our nation, where we live, uh, where we, ha- where our family is, where we learn, where we work, you know, where our friends are, where we, you know, our life. To have a good life, and the area around us is to cherish the 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 place, the geographic place that allows us to carry out that that life and to acquire those memories and and make those ties and friendships with other people. So we have to recognize that other people also love their country and love their nation and are proud of that. And that's a, that's, that's a good thing. That's a, that's a good thing. That means that they have a lot of skin in the game. That means that there's a lot of invested, you know, you, there's, there's going to be a lot of understanding when it comes time to negotiate and things like that. Because if you love your homeland, if you love your nation, if you love your, you know, your country, then you want what's good for it, you want its borders to be protected, you want everybody, all of the citizens of that country uh, to be safe, you, you want uh, goodness and happiness and uh, uh, all, that, all those positive things, you want it for everybody. And w- however you can achieve that in the best, most expedient way, that's how that guides the thinking. Now, if there are some sick people that don't love their homeland, I mean, okay, that's this episode is not for them but we're talking about if we're diplomats and we're involved in the diplomatic core now i know i'm I'm speaking in in very high level theoretics of course when you're in the minutiae you're talking about trade deals you're talking about this you're talking about that but it's also important to remember that what are the values driving those type of activities and that type of work it's that we all respect and love our borders and our security and our homeland and our country and our family and our friends just like everybody else does. And based on that common value that we can recognize, we can build peaceful, constructive relationships. And at the end of the day, that's something that you know the Almighty commands of us and asks for us. This is one of the reasons why we were placed on earth is that we can work together. So common values, peace is the goal, and common values is, is what will help us arrive, arrive at that. Now, aside from these meta issues what are some of the micro issues the more sort of details that we can pick up from our study of the seerah of the prophet peace be upon him vis-a-vis diplomacy number one is it's very clear from when we study the seerah there's a great deal of respect for borders and safe passage so one of the founding uh points of the constitution of Medina was defining the borders by naming the tribes, all of the tribe, enumerating all of the tribes that form the state of Medina. What the Prophet ﷺ was doing was establishing the boundaries and therefore free movement within those boundaries amongst all those tribes because they're all now citizens. They're all one nation bound together by this document, by this founding document. They are free to move, they are free to work, they are free to travel within those boundaries. And if somebody comes to visit and is allowed in those boundaries, in, the, in those borders, then they receive safe passage. So therefore, when I enter into a country 
and my passport is stamped now and I get a visa, whether the visa is for a number of hours, number of days, number of months, whatever, I have safe passage. I have a right to freely walk about and do my thing in that new country. Keeping in mind that I'm not a resident, I'm not a citizen, and that I have to obey the laws. So that also comes with it. And if I, if you know, God forbid, if I violated some of the laws, then I'll be in trouble and I'll, I'll be, you know, taken to account. But that also means if I'm a citizen of, of this country and somebody comes and visits my country and they have been giving, given safe passage, I also have to give them safe passage. So I also have to acknowledge their right to be here. Now, when we talk like this, we might think that's kind of weird to, to talk like this, but that's the transaction that's happening at our borders every day with you know people coming in and out of, of our nation or any nation all the time. That's what's happening. And that's something that the Prophet held extremely high of high value, that people were free. Even his enemies, the people of Quraysh, were free to come to Medina and approach him and talk to him. They, all, they, all, they didn't always say nice things. You know, there was a lot of tension between them for, for several years until the tide turned uh, against the people of Quraysh and the Prophet ﷺ was able to, to stop all of these fights. But nonetheless, when you read in the seerah, you know, year two, year five, year six, you know, in the, in the heat of all of these problems, all these people are coming into Medina to talk to him, to negotiate with him, وسلم, because there are borders and there is a concept of free passage. Now, for us, that's, you know, like a visa or, you know, some type of travel document, but it's the same type of concept. So if, if I see somebody, um, whether I like them or not, but I know that they're here legitimately with that free passage, I have to, that's like a sacred type of uh, communal permission that we've given this person. So we have to also respect that. So that, you know, you can build on that story a lot of things uh, and about the movement of people, uh, how we start to think about migrants, uh, immigration, whether it's forced or not, uh, diplomatic ties, relationship, the, 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 the uh, special uh, um, assignment given to the property of an embassy, that, that, that embassy in a country is actually, you know, foreign, sovereign soil. All those type of issues we can take from this one example from the seerah the other thing is that the prophet peace be upon him whenever he negotiated and talked with people he was always trying to speak just to reiterate he was always trying to speak in shared values and these were always of the highest order so he rarely spoke about the details of how people lived their life or what they did on their day to day but he's always addressing them conceptually because if the concepts are shared and the values that go into those concepts are accepted and shared, then it's a high probability that the rest of the negotiation will be shared. But when countries or when, when diplomatic uh, talks happen and the highest principles and values are not shared, how on earth are we going to get the details hammered out? It can happen if it's just sort of purely based on interest, like, you know, bottom line type of conversation. But also that doesn't lead to strong ties, diplomatic ties that will last for generations also. So yeah, that can happen, but it also has repercussions. So the Prophet ﷺ was always finding what was the mushtarak, always what was, you know, shared between people and building building on that. Another episode from the seerah that we um, we get information from about diplomacy 
is from the year 9 of the Seerah. And this was uh, called Aamul Wufud, the year of all of the delegations. This is the year when all of these major tribes, many of them not Muslim, well, almost all of them weren't until they came to Medina, but I mean, many of them did not convert to Islam. Many of them remained in their own uh, religious tradition. But they came to establish peace with the Prophet, peace be upon him. By this time, the Prophet ﷺ had, had conquered Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ had uh, won uh, in the Battle of Tabuk, won against the Byzantians and their proxies, the Hassanids in the north. So that was like a huge psychological win for the Prophet ﷺ. After that battle, the Battle of Tabuk, which was the last battle of the Prophet, peace be upon him, there was no more, you know, it was clear that there would be no more power or force in Arabia except the Prophet ﷺ and Islam. So at that point, everyone starts coming in to meet, to greet, uh, whether they're pledging allegiance, establishing peace, whether they're converting, whatever the case may be. And then we learn a lot because the Prophet ﷺ, again, the goal is peace, not necessarily conversion because the, the people from the delegation from Yemen, they were Christian, they came, they stayed in the mosque for several days, they, they conducted their Christian prayers in the mosque for several days, and uh, obviously with the permission of the Prophet ﷺ, they did not convert and the Prophet ﷺ made peace with them and established that they are free to practice their faith moving forward without interruption or, or without harm. So what's the point of that epic? Why do we have that in the seerah? What does that teach us? It teaches us that the issue is peace uh, and uh, good relations with people. Because with good relations, you can build on that and you can do something together. You become a force together. You become allies. And with allies are responsibilities. And you can form a coalition to tackle larger problems, etc., etc., etc. So these are just some scattered thoughts about what we have from the seed. Of course, there's a lot, a lot to say um, when we talk about Islamic law, you know, fiqh and sharia and the specifics of international relations and um, issues of warfare and, and aggression. There's a lot of... A lot of uh, a lot to be said about that but I wanted this episode just to sort of be a little bit more broad and to provide a sketch so we can start thinking about these categories that if you are somehow involved in government or diplomacy you know what should your uh, demeanor be you know this is a great noble thing to do is to represent your government and as I said this is a value of the highest order to be proud that you represent your government to be proud that you represent your nation and to realize that this is in no way, shape, or form somehow uh, contradictory to your faith tradition. It, it is an excellent manifestation of your faith tradition. And is to recognize that there is a body politic that holds a diverse group of people. And then that identity is greater, meaning it's wider, than simply the identity of religion. So me being a Muslim citizen of a country... I get two identities from that. I am a citizen of that country and there are certain cultural and linguistic uh, shared things that I have with my fellow citizens. And I have another sub-identity, uh, which is I'm a Muslim. I am I'm of a particular faith tradition, which also carries its own values and, and, and traditions and shared experiences with people that share that, that faith tradition. But they're, they're not contradictory. One needs the other. You can't be a Muslim out in the ether. You have to be a Muslim in a country. You have to live somewhere protected by borders, you have to live under some type of legal system, uh, etc. Again, just some thoughts, random, uh, not necessarily uh, trying to string together some type of story, 
But I just wanted to offer these uh, uh, concepts that are more of a high level and more general nature and to point you into the direction of some of the episodes in the seerah for you can dig in deeper if in fact you want to dig in deeper on those topics. If there's more questions about this topic, I'm happy to put together something a little bit more uh, maybe it'll be a bit lengthier Maybe I can have some interviews with some Muslims That are diplomats and get their insights as well But I'll leave the conversation there And we'll move on to another topic I'll see you soon